Well, good morning, church. Please stand with me as we uh, read the word together. Text is coming from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. And it says, they came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. He looked intently and his sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home saying, don't even go into the village. The word of God. You may be seated. Happy almost new year, last year University Church. It is uh, good to take some time to share with you all. I feel like I gotta just, uh, two housekeeping things quick. If anyone's been keeping up with the sermons and everything in the past and listening to our amazing lead pastor, Pastor Icky, I feel like I've been kind of getting slandered like every sermon. <laughs> right, like I feel like I've been, I've, I've been getting my fair mentions in all of his sermons. And you know what, like, Maybe it's because I'm the, you know, youngest of my family. Like, I kind of, like, when people, like, get at me, like, I have to get them back. Like, that's how I feel. Maybe because I'm younger and, like, that's when I show up. When someone's, like, competing with me or something like that. But we all worship the same God. I'm like, I got to be better than that. And I got to do better. And so, you know, I remember, like, writing the sermon. I'm like, yo, let me just line up everything for Pastor Icky. Calmany is like, no, don't do it. You're better than that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're right. Erased it all. And so, uh, Pastor Icky, wherever you are as you're recovering, um, just know that, uh, I'm thankful for Calmany on this one. And uh, second thing is, um, I really want to share, I want to thank you all for all of your love and support. Um, for my mother and praying for my mom and asking me, just checking up. Um, she's at home now. She's been at home for past two months recovering. Um, she isn't able to walk still, so we're still praying like she can stand for a little bit. She has an at-home nurse. Uh, but we're just so thankful for all of the love and support. So I just want to thank you all for that. Um, New Year's Day is tomorrow. January is tomorrow. Today is December 31st, and a lot happens in one year. We come to the end of the year, which means we are approaching the beginning of a new one, and we reflect on what is important. And as we reflect and as we start to think about what has happened, it's important that we think about the mourning that we've had and the celebrations that we've had. You know, we've mourned this year. We've mourned the loss of loved ones. Um, we've mourned the lives affected by the continued war um, in, 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 in Ukraine. We've mourned the lives lost that have been and affected by the attacks on vulnerable bodies and marginalized people. We think of Uvalde, Colorado Springs, and Buffalo, and many more, all examples of our struggling humanity. And at the same time as we mourn, we also celebrate. We celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, new life, for our FIFA World Cup fans, they celebrate Messi in Argentina. Well, yes, and while some of us mourned, you know, I'm praying that Ghana in four years, you know, will do something. But uh, some of us mourned in that time and some people celebrate. We also celebrate this year, close to home, the arrival of our new lead pastor and also the arrival of our children family pastor. We celebrate and we mourn. And what happens after this reflection, we look forward to the next 12 months. And we start to do this thing where we create these things called resolutions. 
we start to create goals. And we do this because we feel like January is that time. You know, it's that blank slate, it's a new year. What can I do different for the next 12 months? And so I did some light research on kind of like the top resolutions that we're entering into 2022. And I feel like they're kind of similar going into the next year across this country, the United States. And uh, the top few, the, some of the ones I just want to share, you know, it's like to seek therapy. Amen for therapy. Um, to find a significant other. Um, my brother is single. If anyone's considering, okay, that's the one thing. If he's watching online, Kofi, I got you. Um, one of them is to lose weight, to change kind of the way people look, their health habits. And we look at our lives and we take notes of things we need to do more of, things we need to do less of, things that we need to change. We start to dream about possible results and possible end goals. But something that we do not spend enough time doing is reflecting on the goodness of who we are now. I want you all to repeat after me. I am already enough. I am already enough. My process is important. Mm. We can stop right there. That's important. We can stop there, but well, I'll still share for a little bit longer. You know, uh, process is real funny. You know those trust the process type people? Those people that like, when you see them from one side, they're doing something, you're like, how can they get to their end goal? Those people that uh, can do something and it looks kind of funky before it even starts. It doesn't look like it can actually work out, but they, you know, they hit you with the, you know, trust the process, don't worry, I got it. Those people are so interesting, but these people are onto something. Because there's a beauty in trusting the process. There's a beauty in loving and owning your process. But our culture and our society prioritize results. We prioritize products over process. And entering the, a new year, we become obsessed with possible results. You know, come October, November, we're already thinking, next year I'm gonna do this. You know, next year I'm gonna start doing that. But we need to learn to not love process because of product, but to love process because of the process. There is value in our now, in our present, in our process, because we find Jesus in the process. Let's just pray real quick. Dear Lord, just speak through me. Pray that we can look forward this year confidently. And then we pray, amen. So we come to the story about this person who was once blind. Why are we here? Why are we focusing on this as we enter the new year? Because as I read this story and as I wrestled through it, I started wondering, like, what is a miracle? I started wondering, what is God moving in our lives? And I can't ignore this topic that's in the story about progression. Jesus is approached by a group of people who uh, bring a person who was once blind, and uh, verse 23 and 24 tells us, we go back to the text, it says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. I wrestled with this text for a while, trying to figure out, like, what is this text saying? What's going on here? And I know that there's some scholarly takes on this text. People will talk about the trees. What does the saliva mean? What does um, Jesus touching his eyes and the way it happens? But what bounced out to me was this simple thing, and I was just wrestling, and I, what I want us to think about as I share for the next little bit is what if Jesus only touched the man once and left his vision blurry? Now, what if... Jesus just touched him once and left him as he was. Would that still be a miracle? It made me think about my mother, who in August, one night, was sitting on the toilet and fell and landed on her face and lost the ability to walk. And, and so she was in the hospital for just over a month. I was able to go see her. And just being able to see her in the situation, and now she's been discharged from the hospital. 
And now the max that she can do is stand up for two minutes. And that's all that can happen right now in her life. Has there been a miracle in her life? And the answer I'm trying to learn to understand and believe in is yes. Yes, because small signs of recovery are happening. I'm trying to see Jesus in that. Yes, because the love and support from others, from my church family, from our family, from my loved ones, I'm trying to see Jesus in that. And there might, that might be all that happens, and that's okay, because in the small steps, in the blurry moments, in the process, Jesus is already standing close by, and that is a miracle. As we enter a new year, we learn, and as we learn about to focus on our process over results, the first thing I want us to hold on to is that God is in the process. And I feel like I always knew that, but I never really knew that. Like, I think it's natural when we tell stories to kind of focus on the end goal and what happens at the end. I used to tell a story all the time, kind of dismissing process, where um, when I worked at summer camp, um, they took the leadership staff on this kind of canoe trip. And uh, it was this backpacking canoe trip. They gave us rations, and we just were left with this kind of trip where our camp director was this dude that was like, love nature. Now, I'm a city boy. I'm from the city, and my Pathfinder Club went camping once a year. So I knew about camping, but I didn't know about backpacking like that, not like that. And uh, we went on this trip, and we get there, and he's like, all right, everyone leave your phones in the car. I'm like, what's going on here? He puts us all in pairs, and we each have a canoe. He's like, put all your bags in the canoe, and we're going to walk with our canoes to the water. I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. Find out that the canoe walk is like 2.5 kilometers. Now... This is America, so I don't know if y'all can convert that to miles, but it was like probably, probably like one mile, something like that, right? And, and we walk with this. It's heavy. I'm sweating. There's bugs on me, everything. I'm like, Lord, like, let this trip end already. Get to the water. We have to now canoe. And I was like, hey, where are we canoeing to? He's like, we'll see where I feel like we need to stop. I'm like, what? <laughs> we get in the water, and I've never really canoed like that. And me and my partner were both people who've never really been out there like that. And, and she's like, how about you sit in the back? You steer. I'm like, okay, I don't, it shouldn't be too hard. Get in the water. I realize I'm just the worst possible steer ever. And because of my terrible steering, instead of just going straight and following the group, we're just going left and right. And we're like doubling the length that everyone else is going because we're using the whole lake going forward, back and forth. And we go. And I remember when I got to the end of that trip, we got there, I was just angry. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was fed up. The food was like, old food that was expired like two years before. It was like nothing was good about this trip. And I remember there was a bunch of flies in the air. It was just like the worst experience possible. And came the evening and the sunset hit the water. We were at this spot where we could kind of see the lake from both sides of where we were staying, and it was beautiful. And I used to love that story because I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what we go through. At the end, it's beautiful. <clears throat> I just say at the end, it's beautiful, and that makes it all okay. And I used to love that story, but I think I missed out on something when I would tell that story. Because the downside of this view of, like, loving the end, we neglect Jesus showing up in the journey. We neglect the beauty and importance of our story, and we become unable to be thankful during the blurry moments. And I think the reality is our eschatology kind of plays into that a little bit. Right? Our Christian view of this kind of plays into this, the way we see like the end of time and everything. Because it's easy as Christians to dismiss process because we hold on to a hopeful future. 
right? And it's good that we have a hopeful future, and we live off of that, and that's important. But, you know, I remember going to midweek prayer when I was a little kid. My mom dragged me there, and, like, this person shared a testimony of something terrible they were going through. And the person just, another person just stood up and said, like, thank God for heaven one day. And I was like, okay, that's good, that's hopeful, but there's also something else kind of missing. Because as beautiful as it is for us to look forward to heaven, it's a disservice to ourselves to miss out on what Jesus is doing now. To miss out on what, how Jesus wants us to move right now. And our God is not a God who's only going to do something. Our God is a God who's doing something. And is, and is asking us to also do things as well. And sometimes all God is doing is just being present and standing by us. Our process is important because God is in our process. Because we find God there. And when we start changing our perspective to see God in our processes, it's important that we begin to love ourselves in our process. We live in a society fueled by results, and, that is and it makes it difficult for us to be satisfied. And I'm not saying, got to put out a disclaimer, I'm not saying don't have goals. I'm not saying don't have resolutions, don't aim for things. But when are we going to love ourselves in the now, for who we are now, and move together for the goals that we have? Like, why do we struggle making the now something that is valuable? It's always, when I graduate, I will. You know, when I get rich, somehow, I'll never get rich, right? When, 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 I, when I look a certain way, you know, when I get a certain job, uh, when I get good at this thing, then things will change for me. But when are we going to start loving ourselves now? When are we going to affirm each other for who we are now, even though we're trying to move somewhere else? You know, I have a youth that comes up to me, and uh, they're a very excited youth and got mad love for them. They always come up to me, Pastor Ben, I'm just going to get buff one day. That's their go-to line. They might know who they are right now, but I'm not going to say their name. And they'll be like, you know, I'm going to get buff, everything's going to be good. When I get buff, you'll see. And they always say, trust, trust, Pastor Ben, I'm going to. And, you know, I, I always laugh, but then I think like, and then what? You know, like, and then what happens when you get to this place that you're aiming for? You know, what is that happens, all that happens? You know, it's, it's awesome to have these goals, but it's also important to not forget your value along the way. We need to be aware of how obsessed we can be about the desire to reach our perfection. Our desire for, uh, to reach perfection can really affect us negatively. Because you know, like, those Christians, those people who can be very perfect Christians but struggle being good humans, right? That happens. Like, our mission to be perfect can prevent us from being good people in the moment. It prevents us from being real and vulnerable today, right now. Because we focus so much on the product instead of process, we end up missing out on people. The people who already love us. The people who are present in our lives right now. The people who are with us and want to build us up. What happens when we never get our goal? What happens if we get our goal but we never see who we are in the moments? You know, um, the result is just never that worth it. When I was in grade 12, um, I played rugby. And just in case y'all don't believe, I had some pictures. I wanted to show y'all my rugby days. And uh, when I played rugby, that's right, I used to be, I, it's not one of those stories where I was like, you know, I was going to go pro and I tore my ACL. No, it wasn't like that. Like, it just, I loved it. And I put a lot of time into it. And I really loved playing rugby. And uh, my senior year, we won championships. It was like, amazing. Love the hard work. Thank you. And <laughs> that year was intense because, you know, we had lost actually like all the years before. So senior felt kind of different. We won the first two games. We were really excited. When the next two games, we were really pumped up. 
We won the fifth game halfway through the season. I remember uh, walking off the field, and my head coach, uh, Coach Knapp, that was her name, Coach Knapp, um, I saw her, and she looked kind of, like, angry. She looked kind of annoyed. We just won a game. She's standing there, arms crossed, and I'm like, Coach Knapp, like, what's going on? She's like, you guys are real happy about your win, right? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, why would we not be happy? She's like, I just want us to win well. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, I just... I don't really care about winning, but I want us to do well when we play. And I was like, why, why does that matter? We have the results. She's like, what? it doesn't matter if we're not growing in the process. And so from then on, she changed everything. Every single game, we had to come with her for like, bring three goals to her. At the end of the game, we had to say like, do we hit our goals or not? It didn't matter if we won, because we kept winning, but it didn't matter if we won. It mattered if we were growing and processing through it. Who we are now is already enough. <clears throat> I'm gonna tell the story about my brother real quick. My brother, older brother named Kofi. Um, that's me and him. That was 2012, me and my brother. We just won the championship that day, actually. My brother really supported me through rugby and I loved him for that and this it was amazing. And uh, me and my bro, growing up, uh, we were big kids. We are, right? And, and it was just like this thing that we never noticed, but like, we recognize because sometimes some people would make a comment on it, right? People would comment on our size, or people would make, take notes about how we looked, or our parents would kind of make slights about how we are. No matter what we did, we could never do it right. And it's like this lifestyle of like, when you're a big person or everybody, like you always stand out, no matter what. And people will make a comment, like someone could be doing the exact same thing as you, but because you're doing it, it's a big thing. And it's kind of this annoying habit that happens to us, and we were going through it. And I remember one day, we went to this water park, and uh, we were shirtless, going around the water park, and someone like commented on my brother, these strangers, and they were, like, started laughing at my brother. And it was, I could see how much it affected him. And as time went on, um, me and my brother would do stuff, and because I played sports, I had like a little bit of like a different kind of like love for my own self because, you know, if you're doing something physical and you're a bigger person, you kind of find excuses for that. Like, well, okay, I'm big, I can use my size. But my brother wasn't playing sports as much as he was older, and so I think it started dwelling on him. And so about a year ago, my brother just, he lives in New Zealand. He just, like, changed in his mind. He's by himself in New Zealand doing life, and he just said, like, I'm just going to change my whole life. And he started going to the gym for hours. Like, he'd go to the gym for five hours a day, work out every single day. Like, he'd work out, go for a walk, go for a swim, and just exercise all the time for a day. And then he changed. I'll show you. If you can go to the next slide, his body completely changed. It's my brother. And I'm not telling this story because it's like, hey, like, just focus on yourself and change. That's not what I'm saying here, actually. Because something got to me, and I had this conversation with my brother, like, a few weeks ago, and I want to share it here. He started sending me pictures of how he used to look right, the, the left photo. He started sending me pictures of what he used to look like. And he started commenting on himself, kind of insulting himself. He was negatively, like, kind of calling himself, like, negative nicknames, calling himself, like, Kate like, Kofi or something like that. And it was this weird thing. And as he was saying that to me, I started getting a little bit bothered. And I was like, Kofi, who you were was as beautiful as you are now. And he kind of stopped, and he kind of, like, He's like, you know, like, man, I'm thankful that you said that, but it's hard to love who I used to be. But I'm like, bro, like, you were just as beautiful then as you are now. 
And I want us to understand that we are beautiful now, as beautiful as we will be if we achieve that goal, or even if we don't, we're still beautiful now. We need to love ourselves now so we can love ourselves later when we're celebrating. We need to love ourselves now. As I close, I want to share a scene from one of my favorite Pixar movies, Soul. Um, it's a little bit of an edgy movie because of kind of the worldview that happens in it, but I still want to just share this conversation that happens at the end of the movie that just really strikes me. Joe, the main character, he's a middle school band teacher that finally reaches his huge dream to play jazz with his dream crew. And at the end, he almost seems confused as to how he feels about finally reaching his goal. The jazz singer, this woman of the band, tells him this story because she sees his like, face. She sees him kind of confused. She says... A fish swims up to this older fish and says, I'm trying to find this thing they call the ocean. The ocean, says the older fish, this is what you're in right now. This, says the young fish, this is water. What I want is the ocean. Really interesting story because it's almost like finally reaching his goal, he thought like he would feel something different. Because what was more important than reaching the goal was the daily process. And tomorrow, he's going to have to go back again and go do the same thing. The next day comes. The next year comes. The next goal comes. But you still have to be who you are in the now. We're entering 2023, a brand new year. We have celebrated much. And we have mourned much. And my hope for all of us is that this next year, we'll have more celebrations than mourning. And as we look forward into a new year, my hope is for all of us to learn to love our process more than anything. Because in the process was Jesus, standing beside a man who could not see, choosing to be present, which already is a miracle. In the process is us, who are already so valuable. In the process is others, who are already so valuable. May our success be in our effort. May our success be in our trying. May our success and joy be simply found in who we are in the now.